the University of Adversity, where the only rules of the class is to hold your head up high and keep moving forward. Because when the going gets tough, the tough get going. And now, here's your host, Lance Ecos. What's happening, everybody? Welcome back. We got Julian Vanderwall in the house today. He's joining us from down under. He went from being a chef to sales to chef to sales. Really awesome story. Really excited to dive in and teach you guys some stuff about sales. You can never know enough about this stuff. Everything in life is a sale. Whether you're trying to get a, influence somebody to hire you, you're on a date, you're trying to influence them, you're trying to persuade somebody's decision to trust you. There's so many different ways that selling happens and a lot of people don't realize. So this is really cool. We're going to get into this. Listen it right till the end. You guys will get a lot of value. We have a really good conversation about, you know, what it's like in the hospitality industry, how, how things are and how management and how things are dealt with in that and how different they are in the sales world and the corporate world. So it's really interesting. So listen to this to the end and I promise you'll get value. If you haven't already, what are you waiting for? Go hit that subscribe button. Stay on top of everything. This thing is growing and we want to get it into as many ears as possible right? It's all about impact. You want to make impact. Every subscription that every, everybody that subscribes, everybody that leaves a, a, a review it means so much to me and it adds value to the show. So I really appreciate you guys. Check this out. We're going to dive right in in just a moment. What's up, everybody? Welcome back to another episode of University of Adversity. I'm your host, Lance Isios. My next guest thought of business was even from his teenage years, while most were thinking about becoming an astronaut, fireman, or vet, he was thinking on how he could make a profit from businesses he used frequently. The pursuit led him through restaurant sales, retail industry, apart from helping create one of Australia's leading sales networks that has driven over $100 million into various organizations. He is now bringing in world-class technology with his business partner for the digital signage space as well as his own business course aimed at turning failing retail businesses into profitable enterprises. But it hasn't always been easy for him. He failed multiple times in business, went through a lot of uh, domestic um, challenges growing up, and he's learned to really, you know, take it in stride and move forward. So he's now part of the, and runs the Spartan Business Academy and JVD Consulting. So I'm really excited to get into his story on, you know, all the trials and tribulations he, he's gone through. And he's joining us from down under in Australia, one of my favorite countries in the world. Julian Vanderwall, welcome to the show, bro. Thanks, mate. Thanks for having me. No problem, man. Hopefully I didn't uh, butcher that intro too much. We could probably piece <laughs> it together. There's a lot of there. I, you know, I don't like to go too, too crazy in the intro because I want to get into the nuts and bolts of it in the actual show. But um, yeah, yeah man, let's uh, really excited to finally connect. I know we've been wanting to connect for a while and things happen, but uh, I'm happy we're making right. Yeah. That's life, isn't it? You know? that, that is, man. That is. So maybe let's, let's take us back. Tell us a bit about yourself. Fill in the gaps here and let's piece together a bit of your story and what you're all about. Okay. Uh, well, left school when I uh, just turned 16, actually. So fairly young over here in Australia, but that was year 12. Didn't do very well, to be perfectly honest. I actually failed most things at school. My mom put me into all the subjects that were quite difficult. Uh, mass B, chemistry, physics, engineering. And to be honest, I kind of sucked at most things, tried most sports. I think I tried, I don't even know, probably a couple of dozen sports and, and finally found something that I really was 
quite good at, which was cycling. So I guess there was a few lessons really that I learned quite quickly early on where perseverance and resilience and just trying and, and what I like to call that naive uh, or being naively optimistic, that's definitely paid dividends for my life in my business and my family and relationships. And, you know, these are the things that I, lo- I, I see a lot of the newer generations coming through and they, they don't really have that coping mechanism or they suffer from this, that, the other. And it's like, it's not, that's not the, the cause or the root cause is not what they actually think it is. It's actually something else. I'm sure we'll touch on that at some point. Then I left school, got into uh, cooking only because I was cycling so much. I was doing about six to 800 to maybe a thousand kilometers a week. All I wanted to do was become a professional cyclist, racing the Tour de France. Actually, my training partner became uh, um, a, a contestant in the uh, contestant in the Tour de France, actually, which was quite uh, a surreal moment. I actually remember he was racing for Virgin Australia, and I remember being away from the game for about five years and. And it was something that I was really, really good at, really, but not passionate about, whereas something that I was quite good at, but extremely passionate about. And I think that passion is going to get you through the more challenging and difficult moments of, of your life and your career, no matter what you do. Um, I don't really understand how they say, you know, if you love what you do, you never work a day in life. I don't think that's actually true when you do 70 to 90, maybe 100 hours. No matter what you do, is <laughs> there's always going to be challenges there. Yeah. You know, um, and then I left that industry, I got into sales, did that for a year and a half. But I just honestly, I was 19 at that time. I really had to grow up a lot. I was doing, you know, this, that, the other, living on the Gold Coast. So if anyone's been on the Gold Coast that's obviously watching the show, it's very difficult to stay focused and motivated when there's bright lights and pretty things running around everywhere. Um, so you got to know your distractions, you know what I mean? And, and it really didn't help me move my business forward or move my life forward being in that environment. One thing that I, I learned quickly from my grandfather was that if you, you know, whatever you start, you must finish. So I started an apprenticeship as a chef. I left there, I started sales and I wanted to run a sales company, but whatever you start, you must finish. So I went, finished the sales company. I went back and do started my apprenticeship. I did a four year apprenticeship in 13 months and then ran on to run the restaurant and we sold it a year later. And then I went back into the sales company and set up a company three years after that. And that's, you know, up until that's been the last, you know, that's up until 10 years ago. So uh, ran the sales company for 10 years. We now close it down literally a fortnight ago. And now we've moved more into business consultancy, sales coaching within companies um, and setting up a business solutions company that will oversee anything that a business needs, whether it be personally for the business owner themselves or within the uh interior of the business would that be telecommunications or social media or whatever it is we will have a you know sort of a package that can actually help that small business become successful so that's awesome. uh 20 years mate wow <laughs> awesome man i um i can relate with you on the because i i was working in bars and i know it's funny because i wanted to be a chef when i was younger and because my my grandpa was a chef and his dad was but when I worked in a restaurant for the first time and realized how stressful it is, I was like, ain't fucking no way I'm going to be a chef. <laughs> like, Cause like, I love the fact I love cooking. I love that. But yeah. thinking about the stress of that man and seeing like those, some of those guys on the line and, and yeah. like when it's busy, like the yeah. stress that's going through, <laughs> it's crazy. Yeah. And I have so much respect 
Yes. Yeah, it's a good one. It's a, it's a good, I mean, you know, my first job, you know, people were Kmart or Walmart over in, obviously in North America and Canada. I don't know, is Walmart in Canada? Mm-hmm. Yeah, anyway. Yeah. Um, know, know, your, know your marketplace. Um, you know, they, they, when I was coaching sales, the sales company, they'd be like, oh, I'm so tired. I did seven hours. And you're thinking, how is that possible? My first job at 17, I used to ride 20 kilometers to work. I would start at nine o'clock in the morning. I'd be there by 8.30. I'd work till three. I'd ride my bike home because I couldn't afford to buy any food or anything and the boss wouldn't give us any food. So I'd ride back home. So another 20Ks back home, grab something to eat, have a bit of a rest, ride back to work at five o'clock or by 4.30, five o'clock and then ride back home at 12 o'clock, one o'clock in the morning. And that was my first job. This is why you were chefing. This is this why you're is, cooking. Yes. Oh, yeah. wow. Shifts, yeah. yeah. And then you're not getting much sleep and you're, you know, you're burning the candle hard as well. Cause everybody, you yeah. work hard, you play hard in that industry as well. Well, not at 17, but yeah. Well, not at 17. <laughs> yeah. well you may have sneaky ones, but yeah. yeah. But as you get older, it starts to take a hold of you for sure. Yeah. Yeah. I was lucky. I was in a very, very clean kitchen as they say, but oh, it does have a very, very, you know, um, drug induced culture and it's yeah. very, you know, incestuous in there. So yeah, I mean, you know, when you when you're stuck in a forty-five degree kitchen and it's hot and it's stressful, I guess, uh, and the adrenaline is pumping. Like I remember one one Friday night, my heart was thumping, and at five thirty at night, Friday night, the restaurant's empty, and and I was like panting because I was so hyped up on adrenaline, and I was like, "Whew, this is this is not a healthy industry to move into." And I wasn't even doing anything; just I was ready to go, you know. Yeah. So ready for war, if you will. Yeah, that's what it's like. And especially if you played sports, it's kind of a good addition. It's a good thing to get into once you're done sports because it kind of gives you that thrill because mm. you don't really get that in other jobs. And I would get that in, in bars. Like I felt like on a busy night, I'd walk in and I was like, oh, this is like, this is like me playing a big hockey game or something in front of a crowd. You get that, that, that feeling, that rush again that you don't usually get. No, you know, in jobs, a lot of jobs, right? No, you don't. Yeah, and, and even being in sales, you know, I love the ch- you know the thrill of the chase and and closing yeah. the deal. I still I still get a massive kick out of it. And the bigger the ticket, the item, the the bigger the rush, you know. But there's still one thing that's missing, and and cooking definitely gave me the biggest job satisfaction that I've ever had before. Once that when the night goes really well and things all go out, because you got to understand if you're cooking for you know. Our restaurant was quite small, but we used to do 60, 60 covers, but they'd have breakfast, uh, they'd have entree main dessert. So you're mm. cooking 180 meals essentially with yeah. two chefs. So we used to have chefs that would come in with, you know, from a 200 seat pub and they would crumble in the first night. So, mm. you know, what we did wasn't, wasn't elaborate, but it was, it was, you know, bloody good food, you know? Yeah. And, uh, and you know, there, there'd be times where, if one thing goes wrong, that, that snowball effect is just horrific. It just is the worst gut-wrenching feeling in the world where, you know, um, I remember one time it, it didn't kind of go the way we wanted to and the boss, which was a good friend of mine and his wife, known since I was 16 years old because that was the first restaurant that I worked in. They went back to work with them again and I think it was 10 years later. So, you know, they saw literally my whole life and even came to my wedding um, two years ago and uh, and she reaches through the little corner she goes you know she knew I was battling she gives me a little affogato which means you know you do well when you get an affogato and it's kind of like these little tiny symbols of 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 the night and and she goes I love you and I was like oh 
oh my god, I think I'm gonna cry. <laughs> just, that's like that was the that was the next thing. I was like, oh yeah. no, don't say that. I'm just I've had enough. You know yeah, I mean? yeah, man. <laughs> that was, it's that industry and people that haven't worked it don't understand how much, whether you're front of the house or back of the house, how it equips you for anything else in life. And this is where I want to go with this next is that, okay. So chefing, cooking, all that stuff is so, I, this is, I would never guess that you go from being a chef to sales. I would think you'd be front of house, but this interests me. What did you, what did you like? Like what, how did you go from being a chef? to wanting to get into sales because usually the sales people are like super introvert and pissed off and like, or the chefs are and and, and they don't want to deal with people. And you're like, you're taking on a, a, you know, a job or a career that's all about people, you know, yeah. talk us through that a bit. Yeah. So I did sales when I cooking was the first and I went to sales and back to cooking and sales. Oh, right. So, yeah. Yeah. Um, the, the thing that I loved about sales and being that salesperson, and this is pretty quite, this is quite rare in today's world because, you know, coaching dozens and dozens of business owners or hundred and speaking to thousands. Um, if you put, you know, if you speak in a room of a thousand people and you say, Oh, who loves being a salesperson in front of business owners? No one will put their hand up, maybe two or three people. And they've probably done sales previously like myself, you know? Yeah. So to be called a salesperson has this massively negative yeah. undertaking in it. And it's like almost culturally unacceptable, uh, unacceptable right? Yeah. Um, but the thing I liked about it, I actually liked myself as a salesperson as opposed to being a chef. You know, my communication skills got better. My confidence in myself got better. My interpersonal uh, you know, skills got better. So I kind of liked the, me dealing with other people. I, I kind of liked that. And I liked the fact that I could actually talk with other people quite well and have a bit more of a, you know, quick wit and be a bit more sparky. Whereas in the kitchen, essentially, if anyone's seen Gordon Ramsay Kitchen Nightmares, or I think in America they've got, um, uh, we have all Hell's, yeah. Hell's, Hell's Kitchen yeah. and, and 24 hours or, you know, so yeah, it's all the that same. is, it's all the same, same yeah. formula really. Yeah. Um, Gordon Ramsay swears that, you know, they yeah. head off everyone. That's what the kitchen's like, you know. Yeah that that's essentially what the kitchen's like no matter what people love it or hate it it's high pressure it's massively stressful and there's really no forgiveness when things start to go wrong once that snowball starts to go wrong because everything is lined up even in my head i haven't cooked for 10 years in, in a commercial environment um there is still a timer in my head if i set a timer on on my oven for 17 minutes literally within Within a minute, or if not, if I'm really in tune with it, within five, 10 seconds, that timer will literally go off. I'm like, oh, I think it should be ready now. Boom, the timer's off. Happens all the time. So there's actually like a little timer in my head, even still, just because things had to be lined up so well. But, but when, you, when it's all lined up properly, you can literally time the whole night out. And it just, it, it's the best feeling and the biggest rush when things just go boom, 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 yeah. boom, boom. It's. I literally haven't found anything that gives me the big biggest rush and, and the biggest job satisfaction from that. But when things go wrong and that snowball effect, and literally the dockets just keep coming. Valentine's Day is the worst day of the whole year. Yeah. The worst. Yeah. It's you know dockets are twos and they're just like. Yeah. And you just can't. You can't even see your way out of it. You know. You can't really double up ta- double up tables. You can't. It's just singles. You're like ah. And then and then yeah. <laughs> like. 
it just closes in on you. It's like a, almost like a barrel if you're surfing and you just can see it just closing. You're like, oh, this yeah, is... Yeah, I, I, <laughs> I, I swear everybody, everybody needs to... I, I always say this now that I've done it. I, I think everybody needs to work in a restaurant, front of house or back of the house, at least once in their life. Yeah. Like, honestly, yeah. man, to, to understand, to get what it's like. Because if you haven't, you don't, you don't truly know what it's like. And you treat people a lot differently when you know what goes on back there, man. Yeah, exactly. You know, and yeah. your approach, I get it. You get shitty service or shitty food. You're going to say something. But sometimes like you're like, you get, you're like, all right, like something, you know, they're trying their best. And you, you kind of look at it differently because you know, yeah, you send that food back, you know that it's like, it's got a, you know what I mean? Like, obviously yeah. to a, to a degree, you want to send your food back. The quality's not there, but like, sometimes yeah. I, I'm like, you know what? I'm okay. You know, like I know yeah. it's going to happen. And, um, well, people ask that all the time, you know, how do you, how do you go with, you know, your, your meals? And I was like, well, <laughs> I, I go to different areas. If I'm going to spend, you know, I don't know what the prices are like ever in, in 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 canada but over here they're they're getting up there you know yeah, so you might you might you might have a steak at 45 dollars or 55 dollars, and all you get is a steak and a little bit of you know side yeah carrot puree and a couple of peas and and, and yeah. maybe a sauce but you might have to pay five or six dollars for the sauce as well so essentially we're getting is 55 so we went to a bar and grill ages ago and they cooked my steak once and i was overcooked all i got was a steak it was 55 dollars steak uh and that was like the the basic one that you could get the other ones are like $185 and we just went there for lunch. So, so if you're going to, if you're going to charge that much, it has in your bar yeah. and grill, that's what you do. Yeah. I'm sorry, but you know, yeah. we don't ask for medium rare and it's medium. Well, not even close to medium, yeah. medium rare. It's going back. Yeah, for sure. You know, definitely. Uh, it has to be the next one came out rare and I was like, man, this is pretty rare. They're like, Oh, what's well, the lighting in the kitchen? And it's like, I don't care yeah. what lights you have in the kitchen. That has got nothing to do with yeah. me. <laughs> yeah, no, it's, uh, but it's like you're, you have a different respect for the process, you know? Yeah. And yeah, well, I wanted to touch on something really interesting and I'm noticing this in sports as well. So it goes in hand, um, pretty similar. So do you think that that scream in your face, Gordon Ramsay, style of that approach is that effective because that's how i was learned in, in hockey growing up that's it was the scare tactics but now in pro sports they're getting away from that they're getting into more of like you know getting into the heads and getting these these people to think differently and to communicate with them differently you know how do you think that should like how do, what do you which way do you move forward from like chefing to sales you know, and what's more effective in your personal opinion? Because I, I don't think, I think yelling at people only goes so far and then people start to get tuned out. Yeah. Right. And, and they don't really, it's not, they're not really installing a why. And I think if you install a why and you don't necessarily have to yell at a person, you know, what are your thoughts on that, man, about that technique and how do you, what do you do in like the sales, the sales game and kind of teaching people? Yeah, well, you definitely can't yell at people. That's that's kind of yeah. a bit frowned upon. <laughs> but but that's the thing is it's like acceptable in the kitchen. But then yeah, how, how do you when you learn that one way? How do you just switch? You know? Yeah, that that was probably the hardest thing. You know, you can't throw pans at people in the real world. Um, but you know, you got to understand the 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 cooking environment is almost like war. 
you know, it's almost like the military um, effect, yeah. I'll, I'll call it that one, where you don't have time to be nice. You don't, I mean, I'm sure you do have time to be nice, but it's probably not on the, the level. You need stuff done, you know, if it, it needs to have already be done and why isn't it done and, and I don't have time to, are you okay and sorry, yeah. Johnny? And it's like, I just don't have that time, right? Yeah. After we can talk about it and, you know, <laughs> find out your reasons why, but I don't, to be honest, at this moment in time, I don't really care. It's almost like if you go to battle and there's a grenade there, I don't have time to, you know, ask you nicely, can you just move out of the way, please? Because I don't get out of, you know I mean? Like you've got to get out of the way because that's so shocking that you're more likely to take action away from that because of, because of the shock, right? But you're right, people will tune out of that over time. You know, if you look at kids that come from abusive families, they literally shut off over time to all that abuse and they can't hear it anymore. You know, it's obviously a safety and a defense mechanism, you know, in some way the kitchen or people just give up in the kitchen. That's normally what happens. So the thing that I didn't like to go back to your other question, the thing that I didn't like about it, it broke a lot of people. Um, and I didn't want to be part of that. The, the breaking of people. Yeah. Um, it didn't make me a better person. In fact, I didn't like myself as a person. Uh, you know, the relationship suffered. Uh, I was very, very stressed overworked, underpaid. And for me, what I want to have in my life, that wasn't the person that was going to get me that, if that makes sense. So then, but coming from that environment into cooking, into, sorry, into sales, in a corporate environment, well, if you've been swearing, literally, I I almost think that the, the, the kitchen is almost like jail. It's these four walls and you can almost say, do whatever you want in there. And it's not frowned upon almost the point where, you know, the conversations in the kitchen is, is the craziest conversations that you'll ever have. And if you've ever talked with a chef in that zone, um, you'll be shocked in what comes out of their mouth. And almost the point, because things are so ridiculously stressful, again, it might be a coping mechanism to have some light or some fun in the middle of the day. And we're not talking about hotel chefs, hotel chefs and restaurant chefs are very, very different and high end restaurant chefs are even more, more different than, you know, faster passer or, you know, working at Ikea or something like that. That's not, yeah. that's not what I'm talking about, but you know, a high quality restaurant that's very, very busy. You're going to, you're going to find that there's a, a very much a differentiation between your hotel chef that pumps out uh, a, a function of, you know, 300 people buffet style versus a la carte. There's a yeah. huge difference in that. You know, you can, you can tell when they come into your own restaurant and how it works. Um, so I actually had to relearn how to coach and mentor people because it was so ingrained that you just swear, yell, scream, and whatever it takes is kind of like whatever happens in those three hours between 6 and 9 p.m. when service is open, it's kind of not my fault almost, you know, it's not my alter ego. And then after it, we can we can you know, talk about or laugh about it. But, you know, in those three times, unfortunately, that's just how it works. So, yeah. 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 It's, it's funny because, you know, when I grew up in in high competitive sports and when I made the transition and I started to get into that sort of leadership management style role, that's all I knew how I, and it was the fear, the fear tactics. And like, I didn't know how to really manage any way else. And so why I ask is that, yeah, like, I mean, it's, it's so acceptable in that industry, but then everywhere else in the world, it's not. So it's oh, yeah. really challenging. That's why I find it interesting how you can go from being a chef to thriving in business and sales because those are, it would almost be like you would have this, this like antisocial sort of 
personality that would clash with people, right? So yeah, well, I mean, yeah, your it's just your communication skills yeah. are so limited. It's just yeah. you know every every third word is, word is a swear word, which is yeah. you know highly <laughs> frowned upon in the corporate environment. Yeah. So much so that that my managing director is like, "Can you you swore again?" I was like, "Really? Oh, you know." And then you swear yeah. again, and you, oh, and you like swear three or four more times just because you swore the first time, right? Because yeah, oh, yeah, so yeah. you know, so yeah. so yeah. I mean, you just have to learn these things, and if you want to be successful, there's certain things you need to adapt and calibrate and recalibrate and and then you need to learn what leadership is you know there's no you know it's like the the natural born leader it's like it's not it's not really born naturally the only natural ability from a naturally born leader is someone that people like that that's the only skill that you can have naturally or you know you somehow end up with a role of leadership in junior sports and then you go into do something else and it just kind of always fell into your hands you didn't try and take control and and good leaders don't take control anyway you know that that's not good leadership that's more of an authoritarian or militant style leadership which most people these days hate right if you there's, there's a person in the office that always takes control and does more often than not they're not going to follow you know that well or or the difference between managers and leaders i'm sure you know all about that you know um but i just had to learn what leadership actually was and and reading and developing and learning those skills and and harnessing the naturalness of my leadership style and then and then work on it that's any anything in business is a skill you know whether you want to be great at finances it's a skill sales is a skill uh recruitment is a skill um investments is a skill you know what opening up businesses and different ventures and it's a skill social media it's a skill so it's nothing that you can't learn you just have to learn it yeah i i think there's a time and place for that real like military style discipline because i think we all need more of that in our lives in certain places like you got to be disciplined you know the more disciplined you are the more things open up for you right and i i think a lot of us are really we're we're a lot of people are very weak. A lot of people are just, they're not, they don't want to challenge themselves. They don't have to, you know, and I think there is a certain amount of that drill start sergeant mentality that we all need. Not always. There's a time and place, but I think it, it can be really important. And, you know, that's why I think when you, when you growing up playing sports, when I did, or being a chef, when you did, I think that really installs a lot of, a lot of values that you can use in other jobs as well so yeah i agree um so okay man we're you're making the transition you're doing you're into going into sales you're doing that side of things you know what was your biggest what was the biggest challenge from there and like kind of what what would allow you know because you guys failed a couple times or you guys you know weren't doing that great in the beginning or you're yourself personally i'm not sure if you had mm. partners but like what was the biggest challenge kind of moving forward from the chefing? Um, the sales was actually fairly, well, being a salesperson previously, then doing cooking and having a four year sabbatical away from the industry. Um, when I came back to sales, I was, actually, I was actually quite good at sales previously. I was in the top 5% within two weeks uh, of the country. Um, when I first started sales, when I was 18 and a half, 19, and I was literally the same position, didn't really change. Um, for a year and a half. And then as I tried to build a bit of a team and a business unit, um, I found it really difficult because I was still going out to nightclubs and I was still doing this and working one till three o'clock in the morning on a Tuesday and still, you know, trying to party in the weekend. And my, my business maturity was, was very, very low. 
you know, I'll, I'll be the first. So I had to grow up essentially at 19. Um, but I recognize that myself. So, you know, I left that industry. I, could, I couldn't see any more growth. I was kind of stuck. And I, the only people that I could recruit were people like myself. And that wasn't good. <laughs> I could do it, but they couldn't, right? Mm. <laughs> that Monday, Tuesday was pretty, pretty dusty for most of those guys. I could write it out to Wednesday and then come good on Wednesday night, Thursday, but they, they just couldn't write it out. Um, back to being disciplined, you know, uh, that came from a lot of cycling where I was up at 4.30 on the bike by 5 o'clock, rain, hell or shine, um, almost the point where if I knew it was raining outside and, and you know, middle of winter, it's not as cold as Canada, that's for sure. But for Australia, for Gold Coast, it goes down to three degrees. It's pretty, pretty fresh, you know what I mean? To be on a bike sure. at three degrees and, and it's raining oh, yeah. is, pretty, is pretty soggy. But I know that most people are probably going to be in their warm beds. And that kind of inspired me to make sure that I was training. Because if I'm training and they're not, essentially that means that I'm getting better. Yeah. I was only, I was only 16 at the time. It took me six months to go from C grade to A grade. Actually, I think it took me about six races to be honest um and yeah i was racing a grade against rob McEwen, stuart o'grady um hank vogels i've raced against jason phillips um um and, and world you know veteran champions and uh i'd only been racing for a couple of months obviously when you're 16 years old compared to a 25 26 year old your leg strength in the sprint is a little bit weaker, but definitely throughout the rest of the race, I was definitely keeping up and definitely in the top sort of 10 pack because that's where you want to stay at the front of the pack. Less, less crashes happen at the front usually. Um, but it just comes in discipline. And you were talking about, you know, weak people. Um, I agree. You know, I, I think for the most part, people these days are, are very, very weak because whenever things get too tough, they just give up. Yeah. You know, that, that's, that's not helpful. Um, so yeah, that there's a few things from that. And then moving into the sales industry back again, um, I found it quite challenging because I was quite good at it previously. When I was away from it for so long and my skills were so low, I literally thought of quitting every day for seven weeks. I was like, maybe this is not me. Maybe I'm just going to become a chef. Maybe it's just not my personality anymore. And for some reason, I don't know, to be honest, I don't know why. I just kept on showing up putting in the effort, showing up, putting in the effort. And then on week seven, I was like, ah, oh, I've got it. And then a couple of years later, well, for the next couple of years, we're in the top three in the country for, for a telecommunication, Optus over here, which is telco yeah. over here. Um, and then, yes, yeah, three and a half years after that, I got a chance to open up a company down here in Adelaide. And we, we were flying before we came down here and then got down here. And the first, first six months was really good in comparison to the next two years, but the next two years was horrific. You know, we, we couldn't sell, we couldn't, couldn't train anyone. Um, everything we sold, people canceled on, um, people were leaving left, right and center. I think, yeah, we, we at best broke even. Um, and that was pretty disheartening. And then, and then we cracked it for four or five, five years after that, which is amazing probably made more money than I ever thought I was going to make in my whole life already, which is kind of cool. Uh, not finished yet, 1936, but um, yeah. And then, and then the last couple of years have been a little bit different where I, I knew there was a transition period 2016 and I had to move away from what I was doing and just had to find the right, you know, partners and, and opportunities to move into that, which is where we are now. So. Yeah. Awesome. So what, 
I don't know if you get asked this ever, but what makes a good salesman? Like why? Like what? What? What makes a bad one? What makes a good one? What's the difference? Ooh, good question. <laughs> Great question. I don't think I've ever been asked that. What makes a bad one? That's that'll be easy. Um, someone that doesn't listen, someone that talks too much, and someone that is trying to sell. You know, that's a great way not to sell. Especially these days, you got to understand people are real smart these days. We were talk, we're dealing with a very, very sophisticated purchaser. You know, there's comparisons that you can have literally in in half a second. So if you ever want to buy something and you don't look it up online, crazy. That's your bargaining chip right there to start with. Um, and yeah, they don't listen or they're listening to speak rather than listening to understand. You know, I always say that great salespeople have two eyes two ears and one mouth. So look at what's happening. Look at the environment. Look at their body language. Look at, you know, their body language is going to tell you more than what their, their mouth does. Uh, listen to understand what the concerns, fears, doubts, aspirations, dreams, goals, whatever there it is, listen to what they're actually saying to you. Because when they throw you an objection, potentially it's actually not an objection that needs to be turned over. Whereas most people are going to go for the Band-Aid solution and fix that problem when really the problem is actually two or probably two or three deep, you know, um, sometimes the objection is absolute rubbish. Sometimes it's legit, but you've got to watch exactly what's happening and how they're presenting that objection to you or that challenge to you. Um, a great salesperson understands the numbers. So I work on my three M's. So metrics, mentality, and the mechanics, the me mechanics, I wrote a sales course, you know, 60 page sales course. So for direct sales, face to face, whether it be door to door, business to business, it's probably the most, well, it is because I look for others and I can't find one better, but most comprehensive sales program out there. And it will literally take anyone that's never dropped a piece or even knocked on a door or walked into a business to try and sell something. And it will go and, and teach them exactly how to present, close, you know, ask the right questions. I think there's about 14 different types of closes in there. Um, and yeah, there's, there's a great salesperson like I said, understands the mechanics and how to sell and what the techniques are of sales. And it's not all about persuading and influencing. Yes, that's good. That's important. But it's more about just meeting the customer. And to me, sales is really simple. It's just about communication. So the better you can communicate with someone, the way they like to be communicated, the more sales you do. It's as simple as that. It's nothing any more than that. Who is your... Who's your go-to when you think about sales? Like who's your Grant, Grant Cardone? Grant Cardone. He's, yeah. he's the boss. He's still, he's a baller. Yeah. Versus Jordan Belfort? Look, he has got some merit. Absolutely. Um, you know, I've, I've, listened, I've got the straight line system myself. Yeah. Um, Me and I mean, obviously you got to, he has sold a fortune, right? Love him or hate him. You know, I'm not, I'm not looking at the person that he is because I'm yeah. not that person. So yeah. it's got nothing to do with me, right? So yeah. if, you, if you look at the person and go, oh, yeah, but he went to jail. Well, just don't do that. It's pretty yeah. simple, yeah. right? <laughs> yeah, because he had, he had the opportunity to not go to jail, but he got greedy, you know? Like there's, his method still works. Yeah, absolutely. So if you take the, yeah, exactly. I mean, it, almost like to, to the point in the conversation is like, oh, but he went... Yeah, well, just don't do that. It's pretty simple. Yeah. You know what I mean? Like learn from the mistakes and just don't do that part and yeah, you'll yeah. probably do better. Um, but uh, yeah, Grant Cardone's got a pretty amazing story. You know, obviously um, drug addict and, and a few things like that. Um, over here, we have uh, a few people, um, uh, Kerwin and Ray, which I'm actually going to be starting to do a little bit of work with him pretty soon. Uh, he's kind of like the equivalent for the social media point of view. 
uh, of yeah. a Grant Cardone or Frank Kern, probably. Yeah. Um, Brian Tracy, old school as, uh, you know, Napoleon Hill for mentality. So mechanics is one thing. The metrics and understanding the numbers and how the numbers actually play out, that'll keep your mentality much, much more positive. And then the last thing, last thing is the mentality. So that's the, that's the three M's outside of that. The rest is the finer details of, like, let's say, a sculptor, a sculpt, sculpture. Sorry. Uh, once you've got those, you know, the outline roughly done, that's your, let's say, mechanics. Then you start to get a little bit finer. That's your numbers and, your, and then you get really, really fine and polish it and that's your mentality. And then, and then you've got a beautiful piece of art to look at and, and to admire for the rest of your life, you know. But so- it is a skill. You, so you, you think it's very important to know the exact numbers kind of before you go into presentations of what you need to like, cause I've heard of that too, like no to the actual amount of calls, how many sales it'll take to get to this and break it right down. Do you find that to be very effective in, in kind of in your mind or like what you need to attain? Well, numbers don't have emotion, right? So yeah. if you look at your, if you look at your bank account, our emotion towards that number is different to how the bank feels, right? Your bank account doesn't have any feelings. Like it doesn't care what's in there. It could be negative. It could be positive hundred grand. It, it doesn't change how the bank feels. We have a feeling towards it, but the bank doesn't. So numbers are, are very logical. So if you're not a very logical person, the numbers will help you be more logical. Right. Yeah. So, make, yeah. Sorry, yeah. Sorry to cut you off. Yeah. yeah. So it's going to make it more logical, which means you're, emotion around what's happening throughout the day is going to be much, much easier. It's going to be much, much easier to work to a number as opposed to having no idea what's going on. You know, if you have to speak to, let's say 50, 50 calls or 50 contacts and you, you know, set um, 20 discovery calls and out of those 20 discovery calls, you can close five or six people then that that's the numbers, you know? So you know exactly every day I call 50 people and I should be closing the deal for five or six or, or whatever the numbers are. Could be less, could be more. It, it just really depends. And then also you can actually work out in the sales funnel what to work on. So if you want more sales, put more dirt in the top and as it filters down, you're going to have more or you can get better at the bottom section or you can get better in the middle section or whatever the sales process is, however it looks in, in the different businesses. And you can slowly increment by one or two percent each section, and all of a sudden that compounds, and now you've got an absolute killer business. Very interesting. I love this topic because I mean everybody needs to know how to sell at some point in their business, right? Like you got to know how it works. And I may be just as guilty of not paying attention to the numbers as much, and maybe some people don't. But you should know your numbers. I've heard that a lot of times. Um, also, another concern is that. There's so many different philosophies in, in the, the personal development, especially, you know, there's sales and there's all these things. Do you think it's important to pick one, one variety? Like you say, Grant Cardone, do you think it's more important for somebody to say, look, I'm going to study one person. I'm going to do that instead of like, oh, well, this guy does that, but then it kind of contradicts that. And it kind of gets to be a clusterfuck a little bit in the head. Cause you, you, one sort of contradicting. And that's what it's like in the personal development space as well. Mm. One person says one thing, but you still like the other person, but they're kind of conflicting. You know, what, what's yeah. your thoughts on that? Yeah. I mean, I think it's important to educate yourself about a whole range of different things. It doesn't mean you're going to take them all, yeah. but everything's got merit, right? Yeah. So you might, you might, for instance, you know, use the example, you might hate the way Jordan Belfort sells. 
but there, but if you're smart and you want to be a smart business owner, or a smart salesperson, you should look at that and go, okay, cool. Your personal opinion actually doesn't matter. <laughs> you know what I mean? It doesn't, it's got nothing to do with the argument. Yeah. What has he done? What, what can I take from that? Even let's say there's someone absolutely ripping it in real estate. I had a podcast with Tamara Hall, which is she's making you know half a million bucks a year in, in real estate up on the Gold Coast, which is pretty decent cash up in Brisbane, sorry. Now, I'm not in real estate, but if she was going to go through her salary, and her mom is number one in the country, number four in the world for Remax, which is incredible. Wow. So, so even though I'm not in real estate, there's going to be something in there that I could use potentially, or what is this like? I always talk about baselines. If you never talk to a certain demographic before, or especially business to business or door to door type of sales, what is this territory like? What's it like? It's not the same. I've never been here before. I've never understood how, you know, I've never done this type of sales here before. What's it like? Give me some hope and give me some work, you know, baseline to work from. And then I can actually pile on a few other things on top and move from there. But that, you know, so, so taking, you know, information from real estate. Okay. What can I take from it? How can this relate to my industry or how can this real estate agent tell me something about how to sell cars? What is in this? And that, that's, the, that's what a great salesperson is always a student. You know, I always say, if you're going to be the master, you've got to stay the student, you know? So yeah, in phone sales, you've got tonality, you don't have bot language. So I, I do a lot of work with bot language. Um, but in telephone sales, you might think, oh, they can't see me. They can hear you. You know, when someone calls me over the phone, and they're out in the field, I can see their body language in, in my head. I close my eyes and they pitch me. I can see their eye contact. I can see their smile. I can see their, if they're all hunch of how are you going? Like I can see that because I can hear it. Yeah. You know, I can see if you're looking in the eye and, and I'm not even there. And they're like, I said, cool. Make sure you've got good eye contact and shoulders back and now do it. You know, raise the tonality up an octave and, and you sound more excited. Simple things like that, but if you if you know what to look for, it's it's pretty simple. Yeah. What are you? What about when you're doing like video calls and stuff like that? Is it kind of more based on like the in person the stuff you do in person, like body language, or do people feed off that energy as much? Is it more like a phone call? You know, because it's obviously both. But uh, is in what I'm coaching. Yeah, I mean, like, what kind of tips would you give for people doing the sales calls over like Zoom or something? Yeah, that's even more so. Like if we're doing yeah. a sales call, this is a sales call. Yeah. You're going to make sure. For me, it's all about environment, you know. Uh, for me, my motorbike's there. My little Spartan head's there. My, yeah. my wife's there. My baby's up there. My racing. So yeah. this Smart. is the, yeah, well, to me, this is the loves of my life, right? So right here. So people might think it's a mess. And I've got your, you know, looking at your background, it's very minimalistic, right? But that's probably keeps your mind clear. I, I like to work in organized chaos. That's how I work. Yeah. So, you know, uh, know thyself. But this to me is like my heaven space here. And if I'm happy in my heaven space and, and then I'm going to perform better because everywhere I look, I get excited about seeing my motorbike and I see yeah. the racing and, you know, like, and seeing my company there. And I got my little Rhino there, which is my first company and, you know, a little bit of scotch there. You know what I mean? Like, so awesome. I... I've created an environment where and you've got your little salt lamp up there. I can see which mine is somewhere. I don't know where mine is actually. Um, no, don't know where it is. Um, so, so yeah, your environment, especially in that zoom call, people might think this is a mess, but this is, this is my home and it's not about necessarily what you think of my space. This is what I think of my space. It's it's how my you space. feel. Yeah. yeah. 
So if you're not the sort of person you like white walls and you like it all clean and perfect, live that. But I, yeah, I, I, I totally that. agree with you. I um, it's funny because. I used to have my computer in the corner. So like I have a bookshelf right along here. I have all open glass in my office, but like right now, this is the best part for the computer. So now like my office, I just recently moved in here. I'm still trying to figure out how to set it up. So yeah. normally, yeah, you're right. I, I like to have stuff too. And I, but you know, when you're trying to figure out, I might even be moving this to like a couch situation on the side here, but yeah. I totally agree with you because normally yeah. I, I love the backgrounds too. And I really like how you have that because it says a lot about you, man, because you go into a sales call, it's like, there's your wife, there's your kid, there's your passions. I like this guy, I get to know him. It makes total mm. sense. Mm. And as a sales call, they, you know, they like you, they trust you, they buy, right? Mm. It makes yeah. total sense. Yeah. And almost the point in the reverse, if someone's going to try and sell to me, yeah. <laughs> that's so easy, man. <laughs> yeah. All this, all this, you know, um, yeah. images and all this sort of um, go-to's, around here to talk about, you know what I mean? Like you've got so much stuff here to talk about, you know, um, Conor McGregor. And I think I've got, uh, That's a great point, man. Schumacher there. Like if you're going to try and sell to me, I've just given you how exactly to, I've, I've told you exactly how to sell to me. That's <laughs> simple. Great, that's a great, I, I love that, bro. I just, that's a great way to do it too. Set up your environment to kind of provoke questions as well. Like, yeah, hundred percent. Then we can start to build a relationship. Yeah. Oh, when's the last time you went to the track? And I can yeah. see you like bikes and oh, where do you? That's cool. Oh, let, we, man, we'll be here all day. You probably will only have one sales call for the day, but you know, <laughs> you'll get it. <laughs> yeah, yeah, definitely. You mean? That's awesome, but, man. But that's that's what I mean about you know, as as a salesperson, you should be looking at. Let's say if you go, uh, you know, on the phone try and find some, some commonality. Do you know what I mean? Um, try and find what they like. And that's why if you have a briefing before the call, you can actually find out a few things about the person. It's much, much easier to go. You know, I was, I, I was in my company Spartan. So I don't know if there's a lot and that's uh, obviously in the racing suit as well, but I don't know if there's a highly masculine charged feeling around my company, but for me, it's about, you know, sales is about going to war, right? I, I always tell the guys, you would never go to war without knowing or getting recon on the enemy, right? And mm -hmm. it might sound quite strange that you're calling customers enemy, but if you can understand my, my, my conceptualization of it, you, you need to understand the weaponry. You need to understand the armor. You need to understand how they play. You need to understand what the tactics are, and then you can win. But if you, mm -hmm. you know, if you go into a, a, a um, you know, mission and you have no idea what's going to happen, potentially that is called, you know, probably you end up in a movie called Black Hawk Down. That's what's going to happen, you know, mm, yeah. which wasn't the most successful mission they've ever had, you know. Yeah. No. So. Yeah, <laughs> I love it, man. That's there's a lot of gold. There's a lot of gold and nuggets in there. And um, that's the thing. A lot of people, the, the name sales sometimes has that real greasy um, old used car salesman feel to it. Like you're trying to trying to sell something to somebody that doesn't need it, but you know, a good salesperson just finds out about the person and, and kind of gets them what they need. You know I mean? Yeah. That's a beautiful thing about it. And I feel like um, a lot of people have it wrong, but it's not their fault. Cause that's kind of the way it used to be. <laughs> 
Correct, exactly. You know, the snake oil salesperson. But I always say, you know, if you need to sell a broadband package to an old lady that doesn't have a computer, that to me is not sales. You know, that's how you end up. That's a that's a Jordan Belfort type of sales approach. You know, yeah. where you're just signing up anyone to get a commission. That's not sales. Yeah. And that's honestly the best salespeople would walk away from that sale because they've got enough confidence that they don't need to sell to an old person without a computer selling their broadband or their ambient, whatever, whatever it's called, you know, yeah. that I need to sell that, that I need to sell Wi-Fi to an old lady. Um, whereas great salespeople that have pride and have dignity and actually are professionals because it's what professionals are, they walk away from it and go, Hey, you know, um, Richard Branson says to have a customer for life. If you don't have the product, tell them where to find it. Yeah. You know, you don't have the product anyway. So why, why would you not tell them where to get it? Right? Yeah, exactly. Exactly. If you don't have what the customer wants, shop, make it easy for them. Yeah. You know, Build and because it, because then that's a, that's the world of abundance, right? Sorry yeah. to cut you off. And that's not scarcity where I need to pay my bills and I'm on commission. And that's a scarcity mentality. That's how you stay poor for the rest of your life. Mm. You know? Yeah. That's uh, this is the, I wanted to go our last question. Well, one of our last ones before, man, man, it's our time flies when we're chatting about stuff yeah. like this. Um, <laughs> How important is mindset in a sale? Because there's all that self-doubt. I didn't sell before. They're not going to believe me. What do I know? How do you help people through that self-doubt that get on calls? You know, what do you, what do you say to them? And maybe what are, the, what are things that you've done in mindset, maybe stuff that you do on a daily basis to prime yourself for a call or some tactics that people can use? Yeah, there's a few things wrapped up in that one. This, this could probably take another half an hour on top, but mindset is everything. You know, I can give you all the best skills in the world, but if you have a rubbish mindset where you give up too easily and you shortcut things and you're looking for the easy way, you'll be an absolute failure in the sales game. Do you know what I mean? Um, firstly, that word game, I consider it a bit of a game. Uh, and games are fun. You know, games, games are fun. So I have, there's a couple, there's probably a list of things and, I can probably uh, go through them fairly quickly. But to me, I always think it's like man versus turf, you know, like man versus wild bear grills and you've got man versus food with, I think that American guy. Anyway, yeah. um, I say man versus turf, which is turf is your sales day, sales field calls, whatever. So today someone is going to win. It's either going to be me or it's going to be the territory, which means I didn't make much money today because I didn't close many deals. Uh, and obviously in, in every sales industry, it might be a little bit different. You know, we deal with a lot of uh, face-to-face type of sales and we have for the last 10 years where essentially I'll teach you how to sell a product in 90 seconds to two minutes. That, that's what we've done. Um, they're not high ticket items, but probably two, three, four thousand dollars up, uh, you know, the most. Um, and I'll sell that in 90 seconds. Whereas some other things, let's say if you're going to buy a more high ticket item like a Mercedes C63, potentially you're not going to sell that car in 90 seconds. But also in that, the person that's coming into Mercedes dealership probably already knows what they're going to buy, right? Mm. Someone that's walking into an open home has probably checked out the house before they've even walked in. But if you ask the right questions, then sales is fairly simple. So the mentality, the logical side of things, and the uh, the metrics can really help your mentality because it's just purely numbers real estate for instance how many open homes do i need to do to have people walk through to buy you know we just had an election over here and and then the the housing is just 
really starting to kick off again, which is awesome for obviously real estate agents. Mm. But there's ebbs and flows in business no matter what. You know, there's times that people can afford anything. There's times that people can afford everything. That, that's how business works. Mm. Um, I've got another thing that runs through my head um, compared to who. So I think I work pretty hard. Well, compared to who? Uh, compared to Elon Musk, I'm as lazy as you can be. You know, he still does 100 hours a week. But in saying that, he also had, you know, the, the counter argument is, yeah, but he's gone through two marriages. He's had mental breakdowns. Okay, that's not what I'm talking about. I'm purely talking about work ethics, right? So let's just keep the facts as simple as they can be. Um, even when or because of, so even when I was tired, even when, like last night, my youngest, I've got three kids. Uh, my youngest is uh, six months, a little bit sick with the flu. Uh, She's crying literally every hour and a half last night. So even when I was tired, even when my daughter was crying all night, I still get up and perform. Mm. You know, and just keeping yourself accountable to what you said you're going to do, that will pay dividends because it's it's just what you do. It's a culture, right? So if you're the sort of person that gives up, you know, and and the gym is a perfect spot. So if you ever watch people in the gym or group training, I do a lot of group training, boot camp, CrossFit style training. Um, well, when I say a lot, I, I'm paying for a lot, but I'm actually not going a lot anyway. <laughs> I hear you, man. I hear you. <laughs> I should be anyway, different story. <laughs> yeah. Um, <laughs> But you can see people, you can see their habits, right? And it's and they'll run to, let's say, 100 meters, but they'll stop at 95, yeah. right? That, that is how you do things. You know, how you do one thing is how you do everything. I love that, that quote. I love it too. You know, and it's, yeah. and it's so true. You know, if, if you're the sort of person that shortcuts things or you're looking for the shortcut, I always think that if you take enough shortcuts, you end up in the same spot, but you've taken all that time to get back in the same spot. You know, and back onto your original point, discipline, 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 discipline. Yeah. Yeah. yeah that how you do one thing is so true as, as well. And this is what I've, I've talked about before. It starts as soon as you get up. If, if, you, if you get up and you get your routine done or you get your first, it starts with making your bed, your bed. Yeah, have some water, it. have your yeah. routine. And then all of a yeah. sudden, you know, if you do a meditation, if you do a mindful practice, you do gratitude, whatever. You get those things done, you build that momentum. And then you're like, man, it's, not, it's only 6 a.m. and I'm already, I'm flying yeah. here. And then you get to gym. Yeah. It's amazing the, the momentum you get just from yourself. Yeah. You're like, yeah, I've exactly. done all this stuff already. And then everything yeah. is so easy. Yeah, it's like, exactly. but if you, if you cut that corner and you're like, you know, then you get lazy in all areas. You get lazy at the gym. You don't end up doing the full reps. You get lazy in your relationship. You don't do the extra thing you may be able, you should yeah. do. Mm-hmm. leave that dish lying around you leave that shirt on the ground we all yeah. do it but that yeah. stuff starts it yeah exactly you know? exactly and it's so true you know and and then then you wonder why your life is kind of plateauing or potentially even moving backwards um that's you know in some way we're com- well in every way we're completely responsible for that in saying that there is a caveat to that and the fact is when things are not going right and, and, you know, going through those, that adversity of gone through, you know, a couple of years of, of feeling very, very bad about, you know, about it myself and business wasn't good and, you know, drinking too much. And, and then you come out of that and you're like, Oh, holy, 
you know, that yeah. was bad, you know, at the time you knew it was bad and then you come out of it and you go back to your natural state, which is like engaged and energy and focus and driven and motivated and optimistic and, and the real you that, that potentially we all, all can be, but that's definitely, like I said in the beginning, naively optimistic, that's me. And when you go back to that state, you know, situ- sitting right now, you're like, whoa, that was, that was a, not a Julian that, that ever should have existed. But, you know, in moments like that, even though I knew I was being, rubbish there was there was honestly there was nothing i could do to push myself out of it i was already pushing myself just to stay alive do you know what i mean not that i was going to do anything but just just to get up in the morning just to go to work just to to kind of perform was was everything that i had and i thought i was already pretty tough so for those out there that are really struggling um number one you're stronger than you think number one um and Number two is be kind to yourself because it won't last. You just got to keep trying and keep pushing and just, just try, just try. And if that's the best you got and it's rubbish compared to what you used to be, honestly, that, that could be everything you've got just to get up and crawl forward. You know what I mean? Like the commando crawl that, that might be all you can do just to move forward. Or at least if you're going to fall over, go forward, (laughs) just fall forward. For sure, man. (laughs) Where, uh, where can everybody find you? Let's get you plugged. Yeah. LinkedIn, obviously is a great spot to connect. Um, or my website, julianvanderwald.com. Um, all, all my social handles are all the same, Julian Vanderwald. There's only one of me. So there's uh, fairly easy to find Instagram and stuff. So, uh, yeah, that's me. Awesome, man. And I know you might've touched on it a little bit, well, you might have in that last one, but maybe I'll just, I'll ask it anyway, just because I do at the end of every show. What's the one tip that you could give for over, to overcome adversity, to go on to become successful in your life or get through whatever it is you're getting through to go on to do amazing things? Oh, that's a good one. Just have a think of what you would like to have and start to move towards it. Do everything you can to make sure you're moving towards that. And when you're in the middle of that adversity, that challenge, that obstacle, just keep, I'm not going to swear at the end of it, but from an Aussie, Aussie, just keep fucking trying. Just try and move forward. And that, like I said, that, that might be everything you've got just to take a step and get out of bed in the morning. You know, the cold showers and all those um, gratitude and all that sort of stuff for some reason really goes out the window. You know, I, I, perfect example and I'll finish on this example where I hadn't gone to training for ages and I didn't I honestly didn't have time people say you didn't I got three kids under four um so the time that I had I was you know busy trying to rebuild a company at the time um and I just did not have time between keeping a marriage looking after my kids working my business for 60 70 plus hours a week I just did not have time uh, the kids are up all night. So some people, oh, I'll get up at five o'clock in the morning is virtually impossible for me right now. Maybe in a little while, but right now it's like that five to six thirty sleep is like, that could be the best sleep I have all night. Right. <laughs> that could be the, the one that I need to function the next day. Um, and all I started to do was just try and do something. So what, when I turned the kettle on to make the girls, uh, the formula, the little milk, I used to try and do as many push-ups as I could. Uh, in between the time that the kettle went on and to the time it went off. And that, that's what I started with. You know, I tried to just, when I was watching TV, I just had some little, little, um, little weights, eight, I think they were 12 kilos, just started to do some curls, you know, in between the ads. Um, and I started to just get my shit together, just bit by bit 
by bit. You know, the Everest is where I'm going. I, I know I've got, you know, the death zone to go through. I know I've got more stuff, but I just took one more step. And then I looked and just took one more step. And then I just took one more step. And all of a sudden, you know, when people are sort of either going backwards and the tide's coming in and they're getting pushed backwards, I just try and take one more step. That's it. Even if it's just like nothing today, just try and do something. And then all of a sudden that can restart your momentum because when things are, things are really, really difficult, it feels like literally you're trying to, and the, and the tide is coming in. It just feels like you've got all this water coming into you and you're like, man, this is just not working out at all. Just try and do something that, like I said, I, I literally did 20, 30 pushups a night. And that, that's, that was, but it was something to me. And for me, it was like, you know, making the bed was like a little win. I was like, ah, oh. yeah. yeah. Didn't do anything major. I'm not going to race in the Spartan races or do marathons from it, but it was something and it was more than what I did before. Mm. And that, that's where, you know, being kind to yourself. No, it wasn't an hour at the gym. It was 30 push-ups, but it was more than what I did yesterday because I didn't do any push-ups yesterday. Do you know what I mean? Yeah. And you sometimes didn't take a zero. You didn't take a zero. You, you did. Exactly. Something. Exactly. Yeah. And, and sometimes those little tiny things, it's, you know, gratitude. And sometimes it's kind of hard to be, feel gratitude when you're really like, in the shit, right? <laughs> you know? it, yeah. it can be very, very difficult because your your mind and your your you know heart and it's just so like in survival mode. It's just like I just hope we make it through today. That that's when you know you're in survival, and I just hope that today's going to be good. When when you start having those conversations in your own mind, um, you need to address it for one and just go. It is what it is. It's not good and no emotion towards it. You know, I, I go through a, what I call a circle, circle of actual circle of self actualization. I don't know why it's my own. So it's like the wheel of life, but I put it on steroids and there's like 15 sections there. So that that's a, you know, wheel of life. But what it can actually do is really chunk down into what you're looking for in your life and get rid of all the emotions. It is what it is. But once you map out, it's not no point having the best map in the world if you have no idea where your starting point is, mm. right? If you're trying to get to the oasis on the other side of the ravine and through the, the mountains and through the forests and through the valleys, if you have no idea where you're starting from, it doesn't matter if it's 14 steps that way over the, like you're in the wrong spot. So you need to work out exactly where you are right now. And again, not emotionally. It is what it is. Would my health rather be better? Yes. It's a two out of 10. Okay, cool. That's what it is. It's just a number. Yeah. yeah. How's my relationship with my wife? It's a four out of 10. Cool. I'd love it to be nine. Okay, cool. Start reconnecting, start doing a little bit more around the house. Mm. That was a big one for me where my relationship was good, but it wasn't great. You know, 2015, uh, October, I was making more money than I ever have. It was ridiculous. You know, essentially the, the minimum wage I was making every single week, uh, yearly wage here in Australia, I was making every single week and I, and I was depressed. I was like, what the hell? How is this even possible? Like where I come from school and what was meant to happen in my life compared to now, I don't know how this is happening. And I was quite confronting in, in that sense. But what I started to do is I did this little, did a little roadmap and I realized my whole life was between a three and a six. And I said, I'm thinking, no wonder. <laughs> I don't live life between three and a six. I'm, a, I'm an A plus guy, do you know what yeah. I mean? So of course I feel rubbish about my relationship being a, four out of ten it's not i mean it's not bad but it's not great of course my wealth that i'm trying to create for myself is a six i mean it's good but it's not where i want to be my physical environment how much fun was i having well i was working so that was my fun but it's not the same 
um, socially, I wasn't doing much because I was, you know, so yeah. I was like, oh, of course, three to six. And within 10 minutes, I, I literally changed my whole mindset around everything. Mm. Um, and I've never really gone back into that stage again in that, in that way. So, yeah. Awesome, man. No, it's great. It's all really valuable lessons and, you know, practical stuff that people can use. So I really appreciate it, man. That was a great, great conversation. I'm sure we could chat for another two hours, but you know, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> um, you guys make sure to check out Julian. Um, we'll have all his information in the show notes and yeah, man, greatly appreciate you joining us. That was awesome. Thanks for having me. Hope you guys got a lot out of it and I uh, yeah, love to connect and see what you guys think. Awesome. Julian Vanderwall, everybody. Thanks, everybody. I hope you enjoyed that. Julian's a very knowledgeable guy. Make sure you check him out. Subscribe. Leave us a review. I love you guys. I appreciate you guys. Have a great day. You just finished another class at the University of Adversity. Don't forget to hit that subscribe button and tune in again next time for more life lessons with Lance ECOs.